0: Welcome to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week we've got three new movies in theaters, and all three are getting terrific reviews. Plus,
1: I'm Jeff Braun. We'll run down some new and returning TV shows, including HBO's Barry, and check in on the Survivor season so far. Plus,
0: many people are enjoying Winning Time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. The eighth episode is happening this weekend on Crave, but not without controversy. But first, we started the show last week with a preview. This week, we'll start with a review of the first two episodes of this. On the final season of Better Call Saul. You're the guy, right? What guy's that? Salamanca's guy. Are you building some kind of case against Jimmy? It's a lot of big talk. Prove it! (laughs) What Colonel Sanders is to chicken, Saul Goodman is to the law. It's just you and me. Anyone who goes after him is going to have to come through me. What happens now? I need to know everything he does and everyone he talks to. I'm Saul Goodman. I fight for you. So there was a two-episode debut this past Monday night on AMC of the sixth and final season of Better Call Saul, which, of course, is the prequel series for Breaking Bad. And I said to myself, I'm not watching them both on Monday night. It's two and a half hours. It's going to be on from 8 o'clock until 10.30 here in Manitoba, where Jeff and I are. That's too late, because Jeff and I both work early, early for our regular jobs. But, of course, after the first episode, I thought, well... I can't stop watching now. Jeff, what'd you think?
1: So you stayed up and watched all the way to 10:30. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I broke it up over two days. I watched maybe a, an hour the first night and the rest the next night. Although I will say on Tuesday night, I ended up staying up till 1130 watching Fast Five for the 50th time. So I'm not sure why I didn't just watch Better Call Saul on one day. That's actually a long story I won't get into. Um, I love the Better Call Saul. I was so glad to have it come back. I wish I would have watched uh, the recap thing you were talking about. But uh, it was good. It started. There's usually a, a black and white flash forward to... His Omaha days that set after the events of Breaking Bad. Of course, the whole show is a prequel to Breaking Bad, so there was though this flash forward to sometime after Breaking Bad. As we watch the FBI or somebody emptying Saul's home, he had a gold toilet. As it turns out, seemed to be pretty rich despite his strip mall surroundings. But uh, it was a good episode. Lalo, uh, ba- he's the most pleasant, cold-blooded killer of all time. This guy, Lalo Salamanca, he's just he's. You can't take your eyes off him. He's really incredible to watch. What a great character they added in the last season or maybe the season before. Uh, He had this this guy shaved to look like him so he could fake his death. That was kind of cool. I know this sounds terrible, but I always have this fear that important actors to a show will die before the show is over. And that's been in the back of my mind about Mike throughout this entire series. So obviously they're done shooting and he made it. So thank God for that because they couldn't kill him off because he's just always so integral to at least half the goings on. Uh, But he's like aging noticeably each season. It's going to be a shock to the system when we see him in the finale of this and then watch him in his first appearance in Breaking Bad, which at that point will probably be almost 15 years earlier. Uh, Bob Odenkirk, of course, almost literally turned my fear into reality when he had that heart attack on set. I think that's one of the reasons, not the only reason, why this season was two years in the making. Obviously, the pandemic had a lot to do with that. The show is famous for its slow, deliberate pacing and showing the long version of all the things that other shows take shortcuts on, like Mike going through Nacho's apartment in this season premiere and breaking into one safe and replacing it with another so he can plant stuff in it without anyone thinking something's up. Uh, And the show does all this slowly and on purpose, but the time still flies by. I hit the button uh, to look at the progress bar after what I assumed had been about 10 minutes, and it was nearly the whole first hour of the show already. So um, we mentioned last week that the, the, the season is split over two with a bunch of episodes now and then another bunch coming in July. And I looked it up, Brett. The Emmy cutoff date is May 31st, so this splitting of the season might simply be an awards eligibility thing. So they'll be eligible for the upcoming Emmys in September, but then by holding off the rest of the season till this summer for the 2023 awards, they might still be eligible. <laughs> so maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's what Stranger Things is doing as well because they've got a split season. I, I wonder if it's not that. Only because, I mean, the shows are ending or whatever, but so many other series, you know, aren't on every single year. They, there's always a year gap or whatever. They're on every 18 months, that kind of thing. So maybe it's just the networks trying to. Get some more Emmy love going their way, and there will be hell to pay, I think, if Saul doesn't get some kind of love at the Emmys. Because I looked that up, too. It's been nominated for 39 Emmys and never won even one of them. What? A Seahorn, who plays Kim Wexler, has never even been nominated. So there are a number of sins that need to be redeemed on that front. And Kim, by the way, yikes. I mean, she's routinely the best part of this show now and she's really diving into some of the more Saul Goodman-ish ways and means of solving problems. Saul still feels like he has to fall pretty far to get to where he we know him from at the beginning of Breaking Bad, so she seems like she's already there, so that'll be interesting, and, uh, you know, presumably that's what's in store for us this final season, see how it all plays out, and also, you know, whatever aftermath there is to deal with uh, from those black and white scenes when uh, he's in Omaha after Breaking Bad. So uh, it's off to a great start, and I can't wait to Just uh, run to the finale with this one, Brett.
0: Very little I can add to that. That was an excellent summary, Jeff, because uh, my thoughts pretty much exactly. You referenced that recap. That's on YouTube. There's a really handy 15-minute Season 5 recap on YouTube, and I'm glad I watched it because, as Jeff pointed out, it's been two years. Season 5 wrapped up on April 20th of 2020, so the recap certainly helps. But uh, it just continues to do what it's been doing the whole time. Vince Gilligan and his team are masters of making good, dramatic TV. It's beautiful. It's tense. The performances are excellent. There's a nearly constant sense of dread. There are some smaller potato subplots and rivalries and then bigger life-or-death manhunts. And just watching as the wheels are now in motion for all of this to come to a head to come to a head is pretty cool. And of course we will finally get to find out what happens to his love interest in fellow lawyer, Kim Wexler. She's not in breaking bad. Does she die? Does she leave him? Does she go to jail? will we see her in the day, new mom, because you referenced the, the, the black and white flash forwards we always get. So I'm assuming that's how the series is going to end. Uh, we will get the, the final flash forward And maybe she'll pop up there. I don't know. But either way, I love this show so much. So again, as Jeff pointed out, first half of the season goes until May 23rd, then picks up for the second half uh, on July 11th for a total of 13 episodes of Better Call Saul, one of the best television shows there is. Way to go, AMC. And coming this weekend, there's a big one courtesy of the home box office. Yeah, Barry is
1: back for a third season.
0: We've both done terrible things in our lives. But I believe you can be the version of yourself that you want to be. You tell me that he's going to be okay and that he was right. People can change. Yeah! Barry Bergman did this. Oh, my God.
1: Forgiveness has to be earned. Everybody deserves a second chance. HBO's Barry returns on Sunday for season three. I actually just started watching the show this past week. I'm almost done season one. They are eight-episode seasons with 30-minute episodes, so it does not take long at all to tear through it. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you can probably catch up before it's on HBO Sunday night. Uh, it was on my list from the beginning. I just never pulled the trigger, so to speak, until this week, and it's great. Barry is played by Bill Hader and what you have to think is the least Bill Hatery performance he could possibly muster. He was, of course, one of the best impressions guys that Saturday Night Live has ever had, and part of that, of course, you know, doing impressions, is being larger than life a lot of the time, but And Barry, not so much. He's a hitman who suddenly gets bit by the acting bug when he's in L.A. on a job. And Barry's a very quiet, still man. Again, the opposite of so many SNL characters Bill Hader played. And he's very good at his J-job of killing the people he's hired to kill and getting away clean without a trace. Until now, at least, wouldn't be much of a show if he just went about his business with no close calls or anything like that so as part of a hit he stumbles into an acting class being taught by henry winkler who like the fawn so many decades earlier is the breakout star of this show he's hilarious as the very pretentious but very not good acting teacher he's mostly concerned that everyone is paid up front that's all he really cares about although he is quite pretentious about acting as well and the more i think of it the more he reminds me of the guy that uh, he played on Arrested Development that terrible lawyer a Barry Zuckerkorn that had a pleasant disposition they these two guys could be brothers and it's just more proof that adding Henry Winkler to your life is always a good idea the show also stars Stephen Root as Barry's handler slash manager And like Henry Winkler, he's always a welcome addition to any cast. Other characters include Barry's new friends from acting class and various 'er ne'er-do-wells from the criminal world that he's trying to kill or escape getting killed by. It's a very funny show that also has some real emotion at times, which I wasn't uh, really expecting. It's just a very well-made show. You can tell everyone involved is putting in the effort. Can't wait to watch the rest of the first two seasons and then see what season three has to offer. Again, season three of Barry starts this Sunday on HBO, and it's also on Crave.
0: My dad's been hounding me to watch that Smash Gordon. He, he asked me all the time, do you watch Barry yet? You started watching Barry yet? I'm like, no, no. I got so many things to watch, but I really got to get on this because I have other friends now who are saying, do you watch Barry? What's, what's wrong with you, man? So uh, maybe I'll, get, I'll put that on my to-do list this weekend. In a moment, we're going to tell you about a couple of other new shows that should be on your radar, including one that looks simply magic. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We just told you that Barry makes its return this weekend on Crave for its third season and debuting this weekend a new show And I've been talking a lot on this show this year about basketball, and now I've got another reason. Apple TV Plus is launching a four-part documentary called They Call Me Magic. Introducing the souring point guard from the Midwest, number 32, Magic
1: it's your time. I was assigned to cover Irvin's first game. He did stuff I'd never seen in a basketball for before. So the sports writer came in and he said, I want to give you a nickname about magic. He's like, yeah, right. <laughs> My boy's not going to call me magic. 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 I learned how to smile because of Magic Johnson. At Michigan State, it was all about magic this, magic that. Just behind his back. No look passes. That's magic. I guess that's what I am.
0: The Los Angeles Lakers select Urban Magic All of a sudden, we started to win.
1: He's going to be the greatest player of all time.
0: Interesting timing for this show. Potential counter-programming, perhaps, against HBO's winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. More on that show In a moment. This docu-series focuses on one of the greatest basketball players in history, one of the most charismatic athletes in history, Magic Johnson, the point guard for the Showtime era, Los Angeles Lakers of the 80s, and how it all came to a screeching halt in 1991.
1: And in walks Magic Johnson approaching the podium. Let's go to Magic.
0: First of all, let me say good
1: good after late afternoon. Um... Because of the, the HIV virus that I have attained,
0: uh, I will have to retire from the Lakers. You know, I remember that day uh, from, a, I think I was coming home from a basketball practice from school, and uh, my dad told me the second I got home, come watch the TV, and he shows me this press conference, and I was just crushed, because magic was... And remains my favorite basketball player of all time. And I wasn't just sad that he had to retire. But in 1991, you know, I thought he was going to die with that uh, diagnosis. So, I mean, he went on to play in the NBA All-Star Game in 1992 as a special guest player. Shot the lights out. Then he joined the Dream Team in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics seen by many, of course, as the greatest team of any sport to ever assemble. So this show is going to take us through all that, but also the challenges he's faced afterward and the charitable stuff that he does and all the work he does to help the black community. The reviews I've read say it's not flawless, not nearly as good as The Last Dance, but so what? It's magic. Got to watch it. And a bit later on, we're going to talk a bit more about winning time because there is some big time controversy surrounding the show also got to quickly mention debuting this week on w network it debuts thursday april 21st so depending on when you hear this show you should be able to catch up with this one on demand through your cable or through stack tv inspired by the true crime story of michelle carter al fanning stars in the limited series the girl from plainville michelle what is it conrad's dead who's conrad leading up to his suicide there are text exchanges between the two of them thousands of them what motive could she possibly have for telling him to kill himself don't get it this is our love story So this debuted a few weeks back on Hulu in the U.S., so watch out for spoilers if you plan to watch this. It's an eight-episode series, the true story of Michelle Carter's texting suicide case, exploring her relationship with Conrad Roy III and the events leading up to his death. It's gotten terrific reviews, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. So those are a couple of big TV shows coming this week, and we mentioned earlier that there are three new movies out this weekend, all of them are getting great reviews. Alexander Skarsgård stars in the Viking revenge drama The Northman. Witness the rise of the Northmen. A traitor stole my kingdom.
1: I will burn his world to the ground. By the hand that killed your father, he will die. At the gates of hell, you will find me.
0: The Northmen, the legend begins. We did our. Oh, the legend begins. Pretty bold claim. Maybe they're looking for a franchise here, but Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle, who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who is on a mission to save his mother, kill his uncle, and avenge his father. Also in the cast, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, and Anya Taylor Joy, just to name a few getting solid reviews, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, maybe cashing in on the success of the series Vikings and the more recent sequel series Vikings Valhalla. Looks super violent, Uh, so I would imagine this is a hard R kind of show. So that one is the first movie getting great reviews. We've got two more to tell you about in just a moment, including one of our, I think I can safely say one of our favorite actors, playing himself in an action comedy. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes telling you about the new movies out this weekend. We already covered The Northman, a Viking revenge tale, which looks pretty cool, getting great reviews. And this one also looks super interesting. Nicolas Cage stars as Nick Cage in the unbearable weight of Massive Talent. Massive Talent is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Don't freak out. Oh, my God. Every once in a while, a movie comes along that's so hilarious. I say, huh? Ah. And so lovable. I love you. I love you. You'll want to see it in a theater. Hit the bricks! Don't worry. He's totally passed out. Massive talent. You're heavier than you look. Ah. I have a very big head. Rated R. April 22nd. Cage plays himself in this action comedy, which is described as follows. Creatively unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, the fictionalized version of Cage must accept a $1 million offer to attend the birthday of a dangerous superfan, played by Pedro Pascal. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when Cage is recruited by a CIA operative, played by Tiffany Haddish, and forced... To live up to his own legend, channeling his most iconic and beloved on-screen characters in order to save himself and his loved ones. With a career built for this very moment, the seminal award-winning actor must take on the role of a lifetime, Nick Cage. It's getting great reviews, 89% at last check. Looks super fun. Gotta admit, Jeff, when I first heard about this, I thought, are you kidding? Like, that's just <laughs> That's gonna be so bad. But, apparently not.
1: That was when you first heard about it. My first no uh, notion of this movie was the trailer just came on while I was at the theater watching something else. I had not heard of it, but the trailer was excellent. And I was like, that looks like it's going to be fun. That's uh, the Nick Cage that we've been waiting to see for quite some time, I think. So I'm definitely going to go see this this week. I, I can't wait to see. He- he's also, uh, remember the movie Adaptation he did yeah. 20 years ago? Like That was a weird, trippy movie from uh, Charlie Kaufman where Nick Cage played Charlie Kaufman and the fictitious twin brother Donald Kaufman uh, and how they came to write the movie we were actually watching at the time. It, w- it was really weird and crazy. So he's got a, a bit of a history for doing these freaky real-life kind of movies that aren't real-life at all. So uh, I'm excited to see what this actually ends up being.
0: It's just nice to see him like headlining movies again right Uh, not that aren't straight to video garbage that he was making just so he could pay his irs debt or whatever so Yeah, yeah absolutely good for nick cage and one more movie getting great reviews this weekend the latest animated adventure from dreamworks it's called the bad guys hey you get over here i'm the big bad wolf and this is the crew we may be bad but we're so good at it Here's the thing. I just tried to steal an old lady's purse. What can I hope You're such a good boy. It felt good. Did you get hit on the head? Baby, being good isn't so bad. Let's try it. Lesson one, sharing. Pop me, please. Nope. Sucker. <gasps> totally worth it. The Bad Guys. APG. Coming soon to theaters. So this is based on a best-selling book series about a criminal crew of animal outlaws who have to become model citizens. So they get caught committing a crime. Mr. Wolf strikes a deal to save them all from prison. And the deal is they all have to do good. Of course, he has no intention of holding up his end of the bargain. But once they start doing it, he wonders if this is what they've needed all along. 87% at last check for the reviews for The Bad Guys. So there you go. The Bad Guys, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and The Northman. Three movies all getting great reviews out this weekend. But as it pertains to movies that are already out, I finally, finally got around to seeing this. Riddler's asking for you. Why is he writing to you? (laughs) Riddler's latest.
1: It's all about the Waynes.
0: You'd be surprised, but even a good man is capable of it. Lied to me, Alfred. My whole life. We all have our scars, Bruce. (laughs) Maybe this is all coming to an end. The Batman. Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX. Only in theaters, March 4th. And now on Crave. It debuted on Monday, April 18th. I had forgotten all about that, Jeff. I think you mentioned it on this show that it was coming Mm -hmm. to Crave on April 18th, but I just forgot. So it's Monday afternoon. And I get this notification from Crave on my phone that says, The Batman is here. So I started kind of freaking out because it threw off all plans I had for the next three hours. I ended up watching some of it Monday and some of it Tuesday. I split it not because it's a three-hour movie. I was quite enjoying it, but I had to turn it off because Better Call Saul was coming on. So how many times have you seen it now?
1: I saw it three times in theater, and yeah, I was busy this week, too. I didn't get time to watch it on Crave, except I did watch uh, select scenes. I watched the very beginning, the very end, and the car chase in the middle.
0: Yeah, okay, so you've already got your favorite scenes picked out. I loved it. I love, love this musical theme they've got. Um, its simplicity really allows them to use it in so many different ways. I'm not saying it's better than any of the other Batman themes, it just they all all of them they're all great, and uh, I loved the way he would slowly emerge from the shadows, just kind of seeing him quietly walk out of the shadows into the scene, and then getting to see the the fear the bad guys would feel was cool. I thought Pattinson was a good Batman, but he was, really wasn't given anything to do as Bruce Wayne, and I just don't understand like what's the deal with his scraggly emo kid haircut like do you know any insight into that
1: no I, I i didn't i've seen other people talk about that too I, I didn't even really register with me i just figured that's that's pattinson's hair or whatever
0: yeah it just they look so goofy with it i guess it was meant to indicate that he doesn't care about his physical appearance yeah. uh, and he's
1: sad the whole time right he's he's not a smiling kind of a guy he's a depressed Bruce Lee.
0: yeah zoe kravitz Phenomenal as uh, Selena Kyle, uh, a.k.a. Catwoman. John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, the mob boss. Wonderful surprise, not because I think he's a bad actor. I'm just not used to seeing him play more subdued characters, but he gives a quiet and quietly menacing performance, so I thought that was perfect. Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Not sure why they had to cast him in the role and put him in makeup and prosthetics. Nope. Like, there's not one actor out there who would have been more suitable i just i i keep waiting
1: for them to put out a, a thing that says you know what you people are stupid you fell for it that was never colin farrell at all it's just <laughs> some guy that we decided let's say it's colin farrell and people will just believe it so because you i've looked at it so close so many times i just don't see colin farrell in there at all
0: yeah yeah it doesn't make any sense i don't know why they, they had to maybe they're just thinking long term they've got several movies and they, i don't know they've who knows? I can't, I can't even speculate. Just It's such a bizarre decision. He was good in the role. Like, I got no problem with him playing the role. It just seems weird that they would go to the trouble of having to physically alter someone's perfor- or, uh, appearance so dramatically. Cool action scene. You mentioned the car chase scene. That was awesome. Loved the overall darkness. Gotham looked cool, and it actually felt like Gotham, as you alluded to before, but not in a campy or over-the-top way like we saw in the Tim Burton or Joel Schumacher movies, and even the TV show. I really liked the television show look of Gotham, but it was a bit more on the campy side. Uh, good story, good mystery. Paul Dano was the Riddler, super intense, four couch cushions out of five for the Batman. And I think I'm going to go see it nice. in theaters finally, because uh, it was nice to watching the big-screen TV, but just not the same as in the theater. No,
1: I noticed when I watched I mentioned the car chase uh, the sound in the theater when he fires up that Batmobile was it was like, oh my god, like it was a little kind of scary. It was like holy smokes, the growl coming out of that thing. But then when I watched it on TV, it was like yeah, this has got nothing uh, to what the theater experience is. The sound overall is just something else uh, on the big, in the big screen with the big speakers.
0: Alright, in a moment we got to tell you about this controversy that's happening with winning time and we want to touch on how Survivor continues to deliver. It was slow to start this season for me, but it's really grabbed hold, so we want to talk about that. Next, you're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We've got to talk about a rather sticky situation that's happening with one of my favorite shows on TV right now, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty.
1: Monopoly takes strategy, skill, but it also throws in chance. No matter how good you are bad breaks come. Lately, we've had a few of those.
0: Coach falls off bike. Go back 10 spaces.
1: Bankers up your ass. Pay three million bucks. The thing about luck
0: is, you hold on long enough, eventually it goes your way. That don't get you going, you ain't got a pause. All right. So first of all, I think I mentioned that this weekend is the finale. I don't know what I was thinking. It's 10 episodes instead of eight, and it's the eighth episode this weekend. So apologies for that if I mentioned that. Um, but here's what's going on with this show. It's based on a book called Showtime. And one of the reasons why the show is called Winning Time is because HBO's big you know big pay cable rival in the states is Showtime another network so they changed the name for the TV show to Winning Time but there is a, they got a bit of a problem Jerry West former general manager for the Los Angeles Lakers one of the best general managers in the history of the sport he's portrayed as kind of a raging lunatic in the show and he's he's a bit of a jerk he's not a violent man or anything he's just really angry all the time he's constant like i can't even play a clip of him from the show on the air because i would have to add so many bleeps it would just be pointless like he swears a lot he's super funny and entertaining but he is demanding an apology and retraction uh, that has been filed by his lawyers they've sent in the paperwork and they filed this in court and they, they are demanding this apology and retraction and even some of the players like kareem abdul-jabbar has stepped up and said this is a completely bogus representation but well, they've taken several liberties with this show like the the games that they featured they featured a game between Boston and LA uh this past week and that didn't happen the way that it did it didn't happen on the date that they they played it the score wasn't the same so basically that the bottom line here is clearly what they're doing is they are just trying to capture the essence of that first season and tell an entertaining story but there looks like they're damaging some people's Lives and images here, so uh, just a heads up on that. But it's still a cool show. Also a cool show, Jeff. One of our favorite shows of all time on Global Survivor. Next time on Survivor, someone is creating chaos. I don't like that. Chanel, Uh, I've heard Marianne. I was asking you. They were like rats when you turn on the lights and they scurry away. Centauri. Okay, yeah. I'm not closing any doors right now.
1: We need to get Romeo.
0: Yeah, he's been paranoid. Okay. With the pitch. If they've got to go, they got to go.
1: <laughs> okay, now you've not watched this past week's episode yet, right, Brett? So we won't cover that. Okay. So the latest thing we've got is from two weeks ago, or just over a week ago, that two-hour episode they had. And that's sort of like the unofficial uh, halfway mark of the season because the merge has happened now. And uh, it's really going to, you know, kicks into a different gear once that happens. I thought that two-hour episode flew by. I usually dread the two-hour episodes. I mean, to be fair, I had the next day off from work, so I didn't have a a bedtime deadline (laughs) to even think about. That sense to help. But even still, I thought it chugged along quickly and felt like a, an earned two hours. We've seen lots of two-hour Survivor episodes that uh, were just padded to like where there's an eight-minute bit of them, you know, chasing a crab and trying to catch it kind of thing, you know. So this actually felt like it deserved the two hours it had. And like I said, now they're in the meat of the season. They're merged. The game shifts. Uh, It feels like most of the people playing have plans and goals and specific strategies. So there's lots to watch and watch for, and that's always nice. I think maybe uh, Roxroy is maybe one guy who doesn't seem like he's right in the thick of it uh, plotting and stuff but overall i think it's a great cast uh, there's no one i despise which is nice i don't it's i don't mind having a, like a villain to root against but sometimes if you really can't stand somebody it kind of ruins the show for you so no one like that this season for me there's probably a few i wouldn't mind seeing wind i don't think i'm really pulling hard for anyone at this point, but I'm definitely into it. And I guess if I'm rooting for anyone, honestly, I think I might be rooting for Mike, uh, who I refer to as the guy who looks like Matt Damon's cousin, that guy, you will know him when you see him. I really like how the host Jeff probes is talking to the audience more this season, right before challenges begin. It's kind of draws you in a little bit more and it's something different. And I used to, you know, I like to complain about twists on survivor that go nowhere or make the game worse, but the show deserves massive credit for just for taking all the chances that it does. It's desperately, Trying to continually, you know, mix things up to keep it interesting. And even though a lot of the ideas don't pan out, I don't think the show would last 42 seasons if it wasn't trying a whole lot of different stuff sort of all the time. Because every now and then they will hit something that's really good and that sticks and it sticks with the show for seasons to come. So there's a lot of the. Ways to lose your vote I don't really care for, but other things and just small things like probes talking right to camera uh, while, the other, while the contestants are walking into a challenge I think is really cool. So that's where I am halfway through. I'm digging it quite a bit so far. I'm liking this season a lot more than I did last season, Brett.
0: And uh, I didn't, well, I think I... I can't even remember what I thought about last season. <laughs> okay. You liked it. You liked it quite a bit. Okay. I did enjoy season 41. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I think because season 40 was so, so good. But uh, this season I found was slow to start for me. and uh, But it, it over time has really gotten my attention. I didn't watch this week. I just didn't have time to get to this week's episode. I got home from dinner on Wednesday and I was like, do I watch Moon Knight or do I watch Survivor? Eh, I'm going to go with Moon Knight. And uh, But uh, yeah, I too, I thought the two-hour episode was great. And um, I really don't, well, I I would like to cheer for Jonathan. He's the big Goliath guy who eats 18 eggs in a meal. But he is probably (laughs) going to go home just because he's such a physical threat. So Survivor, Wednesday nights on Global. It's really good. And since it's Earth Week, we got to mention this. Wild spaces are where we can connect with ourselves, our families, and something greater than us. This year, we'll all have a chance to experience them up close. Join me as we explore the wonders and secrets
1: of some of the most extraordinary national parks on the planet.
0: This just debuted this past weekend on Netflix. Barack Obama is the host and narrator of Our Great National parks. It's a five episode documentary about national parks that are around the world. And so it's, I think, the first assumption many will have is is this all just American parks? No, they go around the world and show you animals from different continents all over the place. And all of these nature docs they make these these days are so good. And I'm saying I only watched one episode, but it was inspiring. It was excellent, marvelous. I can't wait to watch the rest. So that's new on Netflix, our great national parks. And that's it. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the couch potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.